Yes, hello everybody and welcome to Full Course Yellow. It's the Thursday night get-together from the team at In Pit Lane. It's good to have you once again joining us on a night when, uh, well, we said originally too much for motorsport is barely enough. Well, tonight we've got even more because the big announcement today, great news for, for Melbourne, is that the Australian Formula One Grand Prix were expecting that there would be a, an extension on the contract. Not sure that anybody was really expecting the extension to be for a full 10 years. Uh, coming out there. So uh, along with what was left over on this contract, we've got 13 more years of Grand Prix racing at Albert Park. So we'll be talking about that. And also the good news, the the bonus news on top of that, is the fact that Formula 2 and Formula 3 will be here for the first time as well. So that's that's really exciting news for a whole bunch of reasons that we'll go into tonight when we talk to our our various panel members and we just uh, will open them up and have a look at who we've got on board. We've got Pete Johnson, we've got Chris Ritchie, we've got David Stilwell, and of course Craig Doc Gladigo. G'day guys, how are you all? Evening, gents. Evening. Well, this is uh, this is very this is very good news that we uh, that we got this after that we got this afternoon. I mean, uh, bit of a surprise and uh, a really good surprise the fact that we're getting Formula Two and Formula Three as well. This makes it uh, you know it was already a good support category uh, with the local uh, local categories, but now this is something uh, this is something new. This is something exciting, and I think it comes at a really good time for. Uh, yeah, for us, for Australian drivers as well. When you consider the young Australians over in Europe, you know, looking to get into Formula One and who are moving through things like Formula Three and Formula Two, and who might be in the years to come. Um, let's start off, uh, Pete. What do you What do you think? I mean, uh, you you would be absolutely delighted with this. Yep, I am, um, and I think it makes sense to have. Well, it's been nice to have S five thousands. And things like our open wheeler category there, it, it makes sense to have Formula Two and Formula Three there because they are the feeder category for Formula One, um, and also it's a nice synergy to have to keep the supercars there because a lot of the crew come from Formula One teams. Yeah, I think the exciting thing about it is, and uh, it really makes sense, this 10 years uh, extension is a bit of smart thinking by the Grand Prix Corporation and by the Victorian government, because when you think about it, we're probably guaranteed, we know that there are bigger crowds turn up when there's a local involved, and we, we, we're pretty much certain at the moment that whatever happens with the future of Dan Ricardo. Certainly from next year, we're probably almost guaranteed to have a young Australian, and not just a young Australian, but a young Melbourne driver involved for the, uh, for the next 10 years. And that's got to bring lots and lots of uh, people through the, through the gates. If, uh, if the rumours are true, and uh, I think they, they probably are, we'll see Oscar Piastri uh, running out next year uh, at Albert Park behind the wheel of a Williams. D- Dave, what do you think? Um, well, kudos, of course, to the Victorian government, Andrew Westacott, and the whole team at the Australian Grand Prix Corporation. Um, I think this is definitely an indication that Liberty Media and the FIA really value the event in Australia. Um, there's obviously there's always talk about you know how far it is away from the rest of the world, but once you put aside the vast distance that it takes to travel to Australia. And anyone who's in Australia, the vast distance you have to travel to get anywhere other than Australia, New Zealand or Bali, um, I think this is a really... It shows that there is faith in the event, there is faith in the country, 
there is faith in the future and the popularity of the sport in this market. Um, you know, once you factor in all of the drawbacks of the travel and the international TV window time, um, I think this bodes really well for uh, the security of the event. Um, certainly gives a lot more um, uh, stability for the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, particularly after the massive investment that's gone into the facility uh, in the last two years with the restructuring, um, a lot of the upgrades by the Melbourne City Council and um, and I think it's Hobson's Bay Council as well was put into Albert Park and Parks Victoria. So there's all of this investment been made in the facility. Um, you know, it gives them the confidence that now they can go rather than working year to year to year. You know, if we're going to have Formula Two and Formula Three on the cards, and we know for everyone, anyone who's ever visited an overseas Grand Prix, just how much of the timetable those categories take up, it's probably going to mean you're only going to have one, possibly two. Uh, local categories. Uh, the hot money, of course, would be on supercars from a commercial perspective and someone like the uh, the Porsche Carrera Cup. Carrera Cup, um, yeah. yeah pure, purely from a marketing perspective, marketing and, and exposure perspective. Essentially, the local version of the Porsche uh, Carrera Super Cup. The only problem we have, of course, is that there's only, I think, 31 or 32 cars available. So there's really, no room, <laughs> there's, there's, there's really no room for guest drivers to come from overseas and dabble in an, in an Australian uh, Carrera Cup round. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Pete was saying before about you know it's a, it's a shame. I know that you know in the back of their mind it was a, it was a big part of of S five thousands you know future plans. I mean to have that you know round at the Grand Prix probably to finish a summer season and that that would attract a lot of lot more interest, uh, particularly from uh, from international drivers who might want to run at the Grand Prix. You can't see them having any chance at all of getting on. I mean, I might be wrong, but. You wouldn't expect when you've got three open wheeler categories and they'll all be faster than S5000, you really can't see that they would you know, use that valuable time. We know that supercars will you know, definitely be on board. It would make sense for Carrera Cup to be on board unless they can squeeze in another category somewhere. Uh, and it's going to be a really, really tight, uh, really tight uh, schedule now. I think I there's two big points I'm... missing here as well too, and that's uh, one... It shuts the gate on the other cities that were thinking about bidding on it or did have uh, it made significant interest, maybe north of uh, Victoria. So, yeah, you know, suck it, Sydney. Yeah, so that's, that's one big thing. Yeah, you're going to get um, there, you're going to get two pies and one with sauce from Stilly there, um, even while he's eating his ice cream. Uh, but uh, the other, yeah, that's, that's the funny side of things, but also extremely important because they were half seriously thro- thinking about throwing a, 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 some money at it. But anyway, going back to uh, Formula 2 and Formula 3, obviously they're having the, t- uh, the two feeder categories. Not only are you going to have Australian drivers that are competing in overseas now or the up-and-coming drivers, but look how inspirational it will be for the younger generation that come to Victoria to the track or you know venture in or come from the outskirts, they will be absolutely beside themselves. To, Dad, I want to race in one of those cars one day. Or I want to, you know, I want to buy a go-kart. Or, you know, I just want to start out. I want to race something. Or, you know, they might be, you know, just totally... Inspirational it's, stuff. It's fun, funny you mentioned sort of the inspiration. It was something that was raised today at the announcement by uh, by Andrew Westergaard. He specifically mentioned karts. In fact, let's have a look at uh, at what what went on today. The the official announcement, some of the people involved, and uh, and see what they had to say. 
FC and Formula One management have agreed to a 10-year extension of the Australian Grand Prix here at Albert Park. I'd like to say thank you to the Victorian government for supporting the extension of this event out till 2035. This is the home of motorsport, so we're now going to have a, an open-wheel extravaganza with F1, F2 and F3. Formula 3 and Formula 2 add an extra layer of excitement with uh, young girls and boys sort of forging their way through to Formula 1. We see this as the breeding ground, along with karting in Australia, for the next generation of Aussie racers. We're going to do all we can to continue to make sure that this event is the best Formula One event in the world, building on the success of 2022. We know for that week of the Grand Prix, the eyeballs of the world are on Albert Park and they will be again for another decade. Yeah, that was uh, that's 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 good news, and it was interesting as as uh, was being said there that the the appeal of of getting young carters involved because we talked about Oscar Piastri uh, racing into the future in Formula One, but for for young drivers overseas like our mate Hugh Barter and uh, and, and Christian Mansell and, and young drivers like that Jack Doohan, all of those young young guys who are perhaps looking, especially if they're looking for for local sponsors. Um, particularly personal sponsors, that gives them the opportunity. Give someone like you know Hugh, for instance, the opportunity to say, "Hey, look, I'm going to I'm going to be driving in FIA Formula Three, and yes, we do have a round at Albert Park, so you can not only will you have your name, but there's going to be all of those corporate uh, all those corporate entertainment possibilities and all those networking possibilities that are going to uh, come about for Australian businesses uh, supporting young Australian talent like Hugh and Christian and uh, and Jack and all of those sort of you know those young drivers uh, those young drivers coming through so yeah so it's really exciting news and to be honest with you I mean if if they'd have it was one of the things that I always thought about you know like the the problem with going to going actually paying money to go into the Australian Grand Prix is yes you see Formula One but outside of that it was just another local race meeting it was just another supercar round now. Formula One, Formula Two, and Formula Three. Hell, I don't care how much it's going. I'm, I'm going. And then one more little thing I just want to add to it that uh, was wasn't in the package then, but uh, they've guaranteed because it's it's been a bit of conjecture the last few years, especially with what's going on in the world. That five, so there might be some twilights. Five of the ten will be guaranteed the first race of the of the Formula One season. That was the big surprise, I mean, because we know that there's obviously been a deal. Now, it's, uh, I, I believe there's a bit of confusion. I think Speed Cafe said next year and the year after. Autosport have just come out and said not next year. It'll be, 20, it'll be 24 and 25, and then another three after that at various times in the 10 years. So well, we're not going to have it every month. year. They've got to stick to the contract that they've got existing for the next three. It's ten more on top of that, and so I think obviously these three are obviously still under under negotiation, or there obviously is something. Correct well, they've said that this they've said that this this includes the three to three to go. So that, so like that 13, five. 13. Okay. Yeah. So so it depends on whether you know speed. As I said, Speed Cafe is saying that it will it will be for the next two years. Autosport have only just come out about twenty minutes ago and said no, it'll be twenty four and twenty five. Um, but the 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 thing is, apart from when we don't get the opening round, they have said that it will be no later than the third round. 
So, so so that's good. So it'll still be in that sort of general time slot because I was worried about the fact they were talking about, you know, pairing it up with, you know, Singapore or something like that and having it in sort of, you know, having it in July or September or something like that. No, that's not going to work. Yeah, that's not going to work. I, if you'd observe some of Andrew's uh, Andrew Westcott's comments earlier in the year where he was talking about, you know, some of the scheduling issues that the FIA and Liberty Media ran into, particularly when they, obviously at the moment we're not, uh, we haven't had a race, a Grand Prix in China since 2019 um, or in Japan as well. So trying to fit in the season starting in the Middle East, um, one of the things you have to consider in, in countries for which where Islam is the pre- predominant religion is the um, is the is the timing of Ramadan, which happens in that kind of March to April period, depending upon where the calendars line up. So that's one of the reasons why Australia was the third event in the 2022 calendar. Um, but again, particularly the, the earlier you can push it into March, um, again put it in daylight savings time, uh, certainly makes it much more of a festival atmosphere, and means we can start later in the morning as volunteer officials. <laughs> yes, I think uh, I think a later I think a later time slot for uh, for a lot of people would be good. Pete, what were you going to say? Um, just getting back to the um, the theory about being able to have sponsorship on the uh, local sponsors on the cars and and corporate hospitality. I noticed at this year's Grand Prix, um, the McLarens had OTR signage on them. Yeah, so that, that's a, that's another deal for the locals as well. I mean, if they you know, for, for Formula One teams that might be struggling a little bit, uh, they can pick up a bit of sponsorship too. But I just think it'll be really it'll be really good for you know having those high profile feeder categories come in and have a couple of Australians in there because you know I, we would we would assume that Jack Doohan will be still in Formula Two next year. You know, I don't think he's done enough at this stage to warrant a, a move up to Formula One. And I mean, where the hell are we going? Having enough trouble fitting Oscar in, and he's got he's incredibly well credentialed. But so you would imagine that uh, he will be in he will be in Formula Two if he can raise the funds. You would imagine Christian Mansell might get into either Formula Three or Formula Two because he's doing very well at the moment in the Euro uh, Formula Open series. Currently running second in that series, and then our our mate Hugh has uh, has been doing very well. Currently leads the uh, the French Formula Four Championship, and I think is second or third in Spain as well. So that's a, that's a really good uh, really good opportunity for for some of these young guys to get in and have a you know and and, and approach local sponsors and get a bit of assistance, raise the profile. Well, the the uh, the other spanner I'll throw in the works. It doesn't say anything about Formula Two and Formula Three being locked into appearing every year or any number of years in that contract period. As we know, the Formula Two and Formula Three calendars tend to shuffle around a lot year to year to try to give the categories um, opportunities to race in markets, particularly amongst the predominantly European and Middle Eastern Grand Prix uh, that they don't always get a chance to go to. Uh, we saw at the recent Miami Grand Prix the W Series made its way across the Atlantic to race uh, around the Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, what's really exciting for me is that, you know, you might get Formula 2 and Formula 3, say, next year, and then in 2024 you might only get one of them um, or you might get none of them. But if Formula 1 and Liberty Media and the FIA are working together to bring, you know, uh, regional and international level feeder series to the Australian, you know, the Formula 1 Australian Grand Prix what's there to possibly stop, I don't know, given 
for those of us who caught up with the Toyota Racing Series car, or Toyota Gazoo Racing Series cars in New Zealand being used as substitutes for the W Series cars due to logistical delays. The Grand Prix takes place in March. The Toyota Racing Series ends at the start of February. What's the possibility that, I don't know, the Toyota Racing Series cars could get liveried up as W Series cars and host the opening round of the W Series at the Australian Grand Prix? Wouldn't that be something to celebrate women in motorsport? How much yeah, well, that... did you watch on the weekend, Stilly? Sorry, say again? How much of Le Mans did you watch on the weekend? Uh, about 12 to 14 hours, I'd say, across the two Listening days. Listening to Radio Le Mans, were you? A little bit. I can tell it's in your accent because you said gazoo like they've been saying Le Mans. It's pronounced gazoo. Bloody hell. Gazoo like a kazoo. No, pronounce it like the Japanese pronounce it because they obviously, they, the Toyota people that pronounce it, not like how the bloody Radio Le Mans guys, every time I heard it I go, Guys, you sound like an absolute bloody twat. Pronounce it's kazoo, not gazoo. Oh, you just said it. You said it then in your yeah. thing, and I had to hold back then. I didn't cut you off. Yeah. <laughs> well, but yes. Well, that's a segue, isn't it, Brett? What, what, whatever, whatever it's called, it was uh, whatever it's kazoo called. Right. It was uh, it was real. It was really good. You and well, yes, we will I talk. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. You say gazoo, I say gazoo, or gazoo, whatever. It's, at, at least, it's at least, pronounced the, the way the Toyota guys pronounce it. That's at, le- at least they don't. At they least they. Pro- at least they pronounce Bathurst properly, unlike and uh, unlike yeah. Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah. Come on, what, with three Fs. They, they make the word Bathurst. up. It's gazoo. Bathurst. Bathurst. Yes, this was really exciting. We did one at Bathurst, and uh, yes. so somebody they were talking. Somebody also on just recently, I think on Sky F One, was talking about because uh, Sebastian Vettel, and I think we spent last week. Sebastian Vettel said he'd rather run at Bathurst than uh, than, than Las Vegas. And uh, yeah, some, somebody somebody on the Sky News, one of the reporters there, said, "You know, uh, Sebastian Vettel said he'd like to see Formula One run at Bathurst. You know, so so the Bathurst Grand Prix, but it's not going to run at Bathurst. It's not going to run at Eastern Creek. It's not going to run around the rocks or around Dominic Perrottet's backyard or anything like that. It's going to run here in Melbourne at the uh, at the Australian Formula One Grand Prix at Albert Park for the next uh, thirteen years, and that's r- really good news and." And the, the good news is it's really already upset the Save Albert Park mob, who I just found out from Pete when we came on, are still around. They're still breathing, they're still kicking, and they're still fighting. Jolly good, jolly good job there, chaps. Well, <laughs> is this the same protest organisation that's had millions of dollars spent on a dilapidated um, urban park in the last 25 years? Is it, is it that group? Yes, well, they're not particularly happy about that. The positive side of it is they get another 13 years more to grow their membership. Yes, well, they'll have to because, I mean, they died. last time I spoke to them, as we were saying before the show, the last time I spoke to them, they sort of, you know, they were all uh, they were all sort of, you know, it was God's waiting room and they were all sitting there saying, you know, like, we're, we're very, very convinced that it's going, this will definitely be the last one. It can't it can't last any longer than 1999. It'll be gone by, by 2007. It'll be gone completely. It was like, and we will try. You just know that in another 13 years' time, if for whatever reason they eventually say, okay, we've had a good run, that's it, Formula One is finished at Albert Park, that they will, you know, the, the last... 
near the last year. Yeah. We're having a party. We we have triumphed, everyone. At least they'll be able to turn their attention away from Albert Park for a couple of years because they'll fo- focus probably on the uh, the the noise, the loudness of the Olympics, or sorry, the, the games. They'll, they'll be able to protest against in the meantime anyway because oh, we can't we can't have all this noise and all these cars and everyone and athletes running around the we country. We can't side. have fun. Hey, speaking of fun, with let's have we we haven't we haven't uh, had the roll call yet, so let's uh let's check out who's joining us tonight once again. Uh Box 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 is joining us evening again. Our uh, our sponsor, Roy Virtual R from Online Invent, uh program sponsor of In Pit Lane. G'day Roy, how are you? Thanks for that. I'll be in touch fairly soon. Uh something uh something coming up we'd like to invite you to. So uh, I hope you like a drink, because um, somebody's got to do it for me nowadays. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Jeff McWigan, yes, uh, Christmas has come early. Hopefully, no super. No, there will be supercars. You can uh, you can guarantee that. I, I think even I think even with Formula Two and Formula Three, it would be a very brave move to, to try and run the Grand Prix without uh, supercars. They still do. They still do bring in a huge. A huge percentage of that uh, of that crowd, and you can tell by the you can tell the moment the supercars finish for the day, particularly on Friday. Doesn't matter what's coming up left; they people just disappear. It's, uh... Well, just on I'm that note, usually if you're looking at the if you're looking at the crowd, there will be at least probably one in two hundred of people. Two two in two hundred. One will be wearing a Ford top, and one will be a Holden bloody triple eight top. So you, they <laughs> they do go to it, like Brett said. So, uh, but yeah, that'll that'll be good. We've got uh, Mad Cow Mark today. Uh, G'day, uh, g'day, Mark, Marcus. Uh, some of good, good people. I don't know which one is of us aren't good. Perhaps we better not find out about, about that. But uh, to all of so we'll, we'll say hello to Mark as well. Dave Howard is joining Howie. us again. Yes, uh, AGP till twenty thirty five. Uh, the the worrying thing about yeah you know, when you read that it's going to be extended to twenty thirty five when you get to my age is you look and say what chance is there that I will actually be at the Grand Prix of twenty thirty five? Be optimistic, uh, Fred. <laughs> yeah, look, if I can get to if I can get to next year's, I'll be happy. Okay, uh, we've got. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's that's a bet with long odds. I'm not taking Brett. Yeah, oh. yeah. Oh. You, 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 me, and, you, me, and my doctor as well. <laughs> every time, every time I walk in, he goes, "But bloody hell!" <laughs> well, but he's usually optimistic in his voice. Anyway. Yeah, I think he's got a. I think he's got a bet going with somebody. Um, the, Tony Parr joining us as well. Um, Mike Hassel, uh, Hassel is joining us as well. Lamont, oh, what a feeling! <laughs> yes, Toyo, we'll get onto that. Boom, boom. Get onto that in just a uh, in just a moment. Um, there, Bill wanting to know what is Formula Two. Well, yeah, you, you'll have to you'll have to check it out because the racing has been very good in the main in Formula Two. Talk to Google. You, it's um, a little bit smaller and a bit more controlled. Do you want to put the uh, "Let me Google that for you" link in the, yes. um, in, in, the in in the subtitles? Yes, so we've uh, so we've got there. We've got um, Andrews joining us, running a bit late after seeing the good news or sending the good news to all his Sydney colleagues. Yes, I, I noticed Dominic Perrottet has come out now and said, "Yeah, well, we didn't we, we we didn't want it anyway." You know, I don't know why they you know, they made a very bad decision here. Well, we don't we don't want it. We don't need it. With well, it was it was all spam email anyway. Yeah. Well, was, Pete, he also said in. in um, 13 years, it'll come to its rightful place. Ah, oh, get off the grass. 
Actually, speaking of that, it's going to be legal in Canberra now, so he probably can do it if he wants to go down the road for a chuff. Well, the there you go, get on the grass. You go, you know, there, hey, uh, Brett Sellers. Oh, yes, okay. Brett's coming home from the uh, from the Fink Desert race, uh, just in the Birdsville oh, yeah. Caravan Park. There you go, crossing the Simpson Desert. So, so there, so uh, we've had people from Bali, but now from the from the back of from the back of Burke. From uh, I, I didn't get to Birdsville. We were going down for the Birdsville races, and it rained, and we got. Uh, we got stuck in, we got bogged uh, just outside of, I think it was uh, you know, halfway down the Birdsville track, we got uh, we got bogged and we were there until well after the, uh, until well after the races were over. So that was one of my dad's big regrets because he always wanted to go to the Birdsville races, never actually, never actually made it. Yeah, the Birdsville track isn't a good place to be when it rains. No, you spent you spent quite a lot of time in that sort of area, like around Woomera and places in the outback, sort of, haven't you, Chris? Oh yeah. There's yeah they, a... they used to close the range if the first hint of rain. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing about that. It's like it's like the mud out at Calder Park as well. When you get that red soil, when it gets wet, it's just. Yeah, it's not like no. It, it comes like when it dries, it turns into concrete. When it's yeah. wet, it just clumps under, and there's there's no there's no living with it. It's awful. But anyway, let's talk about um, let's talk about a man cow mark saying most will be dead in thirteen years. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether you're meeting us or anybody, but <laughs> some of us, some of us. Well, let's let's keep our cross fingers crossed for some of the younger ones. Okay, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about Le Mans. We got onto uh, we got onto that. Not the not the most exciting Le Mans that we've ever had. Certainly not at the at the front of the field. But I mean, it's always an interesting race. It's always uh, it's always fascinating. Once again, as I said last week, the Friday of the uh, of the event is always is probably my favourite day, just in terms of what's new and what's being announced. And we certainly heard that for the for the future that um, this was the last year of GTE Pro. Unfortunately, next year there will be GTE Am, and the following year they've announced that uh, we knew that GT three was taken uh, taking over. But what they've announced now is. Well, it's we don't really know what it's going to be, but it's going to be GT3 Premium. And we're not exactly sure what Premium is, but we just know that the ACO are saying that the cars will be required to run a GT3 Premium body kit, um, which will just make them distinctly... Uh, a part of Le Mans and a part of the World Endurance Championship. Has anybody heard anything at all about what these cars are going to... I mean, they can't make them any wilder looking than they are now, surely. If you have a look at the aerodynamics of a GTE car versus a GT3 car, the GT3 cars often have have a lot more very small details, you know, little flicks and upturns and vents, uh, because they're primarily designed for sprint racing and they're designed around cornering speed and not about terminal speed. Most GD3 cars, um, because they're, they often fix both the gearbox ratios and the final drive ratio, most GD3 cars are on the rev limiter at 275, 280 kilometres an hour. That's both at uh, the Nürburgring on the Dirtinger Hoa Strait it's also the top speed you'll normally see on the cars uh, downhill at Conrod Strait at Bathurst. Whereas a GTE car tends to have far more efficient aerodynamics, so they make similar sorts of downforce but without the drag. 
making that cost a lot more money in terms of the way that you design the bodywork. Um, if nothing else, I think they want to make, rather than having GT3 cars or GT3 manufacturers build a base model car that is only good at Le Mans and is useless anywhere else, and then basically building the best, you know, mousetrap um, and basically braining everyone, the ACO doesn't want that. So what they want is to effectively use the GT3 as the base car and then put a, effectively a Le Mans aero package on the car. So this will be something like a, a more efficient diffuser, most likely a different rear wing package, probably a different front bumper package and a front under tray. Um, all parts which uh, there are several cars in the GTE field that you can actually take one car and transition it to the other. So the Ferrari 488 GT3 and GTE car were both built by Michelotto and the same base car could be transferred between the two with a change of uh, electronics, engine and bodywork. The same is true of the Aston Martin Vantage, the second generation Vantage um, is effectively the same car in both GTE and GT3 specification. Again, with you know changeovers of the um, of the bodywork and the engine and electronics because you know they use different uh, performance balances. So this level of change to a GT3 car to go race at Le Mans or in an ACO sanctioned series is not unheard of. If the point of the exercise of going to GT3 was to open up the race to as many marks as possible, that's the way to do it. But it has already raised some concerns. I think it was the the boss of Port, the the boss of uh, Porsche customer motorsport did query, "What's the point of it? Is it just more of an expense?" My observation of that would be it has always been far more expensive to operate a GTE car than a GT3 car, um, and teams running those cars you know, make substantial investments in specific spares to that particular race. Um, I don't think this is going to be a huge stumbling block. What it may do is that some of the more, some of the older GT3 cars or some of the manufacturers that have no interest in Le Mans uh, may not be willing to make the investment in developing the Le Mans or the GT3 premium kit and therefore those people who are enthusiasts of that brand or already own that machinery may not have the option to run those cars at Le Mans. I can't hear you. You're on mute. Sorry, go back on it. Yeah, I think that's the, probably the um, I think that's probably the main the main thing is that they're trying to weed out some of the some of the manufacturers because they want the manufacturer involvement. They want heavy manufacturer involvement, and they they probably don't want the fair weather friends coming in and they just happen to have some you know like a you know the odd GT three car around. They want it. They want a commitment from the manufacturers, even though they're not allowing pro teams anymore, which I know is a particular problem for Corvette because Corvette have said that they will have a GT3 car, um, but uh, they're very, very keen uh, in all the interviews that I've seen with them at, at everybody at uh, Corvette Racing. 
is that they're very, they were very, very keen that they really wanted to come in with an all-pro lineup again because, as they, uh, someone said from uh, from Corvette Racing, this is these are the, these are people representing our brand, and we want the very best. Uh, we don't want uh, it's all right to say, well, we want gentlemen racers. Uh, we don't want gentlemen racers. We want professionals. We want the very best there is driving <laughs> our cars at the best race in the world. So I, I, that's going to be a problem. You- I would wager the people at Pratt Miller and uh, GM Racing um, would have no shortage of applicants for the bronze driver provision, uh, positions in any uh, GTE, um, oh, sorry, uh, Pro-Am GT3 or GT whatever they end up calling it, GT Plus um, race. And given how much um, some of the people have gained the system finding the sneaky silvers for the LMP2 category... Um, I think there will be no shortage of people that might have been drivers back in the day that might be over, is it over 50 or over 55 you drop down to a bronze? I think um, it's over 55. Yeah. Um, time to go find out, you know, when does Jan Magnussen turn, turn 55? When does Ollie Gavin turn 55? You know, they will have plum seats for that, you know. That someone will pick up the phone and call Emanuele Pirro again. Hey, Emanuele, <laughs> would you like to come race at Le Mans? You know, someone will call Mika Salo. Uh, the phones will be ringing hot for people who's just like, no, they're a bronze driver. Yeah, let's let's hope so. I would like to I would like to think that we're going to see Corvette racing back again because they are a very important part of Le Mans over the years. They were they they were certainly one far and away the most popular team in the years that we were at Le Mans. They were always the most popular team. I mean, with with everybody, everybody loved them. They were fabulous to deal with. They were they were just a wonderful team in terms of their their PR and the, the way they made you feel when they invited you into the to the and garage you, and all the rest of it. They're just terrific people. And, and, and uh, you'd, never, you'd never forget when it was lunchtime, would you? No, no, that's for that's for the fish. Well, that's the thing about that's the thing about Le Mans in general. One of the good things about I know they mentioned on the radio Le Mans coverage, and incidentally to uh, to to John and the responsible adult Eve Hewitt and, and all of the team at uh, Radio Le Mans. Once again, a fabulous job, absolutely magnificent uh, stuff, and in particular Paul Trustwell. My God, that man is uh, just what he's forgotten more about Le Mans and about long distance racing than most people have ever no- known. He's uh, he's had his some major health issues over the past few years, and yet he was there pretty much from the from the time they rolled around at four o'clock and took the trickler through to the the time they dropped the checkered flag and beyond. Uh, Paul Trustwell was there and uh, making huge contributions. So uh, so well done to everybody at uh, at Radio Le Mans. It was uh, it, it has very much become a part of the. Uh, very much become a part of the, uh, the the fabric of of Le Mans. Incidentally, if you haven't seen it yet on the Inpit Lane YouTube channel, uh, I think I mentioned last week we have put up uh, the first time that uh, that I got to, to go to Le Mans back in I think two thousand and four. I think it was um, found the the old DVD and uh, have some uh, have some footage of that, and that includes an interview with the with the old Radio Le Mans with Gary Champion. This was before I think John was I think John was a part of it back in those days, but. The this was before he and uh, he and Eve uh, ended up taking over and uh, buying Haymarket out and, and running Radio Le Mans. So, so we had uh, then. It was interesting and emotional for me as well because the person doing the I didn't do the interview. Melissa did the interview. So, uh, yeah, hearing her voice again was uh, was pretty much was magic as well. So, uh, an emotional weekend, a great weekend at Le Mans. 
Toyota Glickenhaus. Uh, what a, a great, great job that at one stage, I mean, they were looking at really competitive and if, uh, yeah, just waiting for the Toyotas to fall over. But this year, the Toyotas didn't fall over. And they also Alpine were uh, high on the pace, but they just did not have a reliable car. First six hours, they shot themselves in the foot, didn't they? Yeah, well, they were always going to be, judging by the, the form in qualifying, they were always going to be struggling a little bit, but it sounds like the uh, the engine went early, and apparently at one stage they were running on six cylinders, which certainly wouldn't uh, help help matters any, so, uh, so they were struggling. Incidentally, congratulations to our mate James Allen. Started, I don't, I don't think this has got anywhere near enough coverage uh, over the weekend. Started from the very rear of the grid after, his, uh, after his, one of his co-drivers, their, their bronze driver, uh, crashed, in, uh, crashed in practice, in free practice on Thursday. They spent all of uh, Thursday, Friday and into the early hours of Saturday putting the, uh, putting the car back together again. It started from the rear of the grid and came up, uh, finished 15th overall in LMP2. But uh, more importantly, for they, they won the uh, they won the G, the LMP2 Pro Am uh, category. So uh, yeah, from rear of the grid, and uh, as James said, that there was uh, he can now he can now say that uh, yes, I I have been on the podium and I have uh, I have won at Le Mans. So uh, congratulations, James I, Allen. One thing I did learn from Le Mans because I was listening listening I was watching. The- guys from Radio Le Mans and I was looking at the um, the studio version as well too while I was listening to it but one thing when they were talking about Car 7 when they were doing a reset on it did you hear how technical it is to actually reset it? Uh, I can't remember the driver that was in at the time did you know that you can't reset the, uh, reset the car if it's rolling? If the, there must be some sort of sensor on it or whatever it may be so they would the driver, whoever was doing the full reset after he stopped it, shut it all down and did the full installation reset again. And he had to do it three times because on two occasions, if that car is that wheel's turning just that, even those few mil forward or back, if it's actually rolling, it will not reset for him. So that's how, that's how technologically advanced the car is. If it's moving, he had to, he had to reset it again. So... I'm not sure what's going over at Toyota, but they've got uh, the car has to be you'd like you'd have to keep your foot on the brake and keep it absolutely stationary to the minuscule to reset it. Otherwise, it won't do it. So that's, the other uh, thing that they've got with that with that car and with the hybrids in general is if something goes wrong, there's often a case. There was one time where they came into the pits and everybody ran towards it, and suddenly it was like waved and no, no, don't touch it, don't touch it. It's not discharged. We did so because there was a light on somewhere which said. You might grab hold of something there, and uh, you'll be the Earth. So uh, do not it's, touch anything. <laughs> it's, a, it's actually an FIA standard um, signalling device that's the same across Formula One cars as well. So it's what they call the ERS light, the ARS light. So it's positioned basically above the driver's head on a um, on the single seater, basically um, on top of where the air intake is and where the camera's positioned. It's in a similar position on the Toyota, so it's positioned at the very top of the the roof of the monocoque. Uh, basically it has three modes, green, orange, and red. Uh, green um, is, you know, when the car's stopped, it means that the uh, high-voltage system is disconnected, um, which indicates that the car is generally safe, so you can touch it, you can move on it. Um, yellow is normally on while the car is driving. It indicates that the system is functioning normally, but it is connected so the car could move under electrical power. Uh, red indicates some sort of system fault. So... 
anyone who's ever worked at trackside at a, an Australian Grand Prix um, during the hybrid era since the first year in 2014, uh, you know, whether you're working trackside in a medical capacity, recovery, uh, or a flag marshal, um, you get all of this training as part of the training day for the event. Um, so the FIA is, you know, if you remember the early stages of KERS and ERS, um, you know, they had uh, mechanics getting shocked by the system. Um, so the FIA standardised a lot of these systems for both the FI- for Formula One and for um, Le Mans prototypes. Um, but, you know, I can just imagine, you know, the, you know, shutting it down, firing it back up again, shutting it down, firing it back up again, you know, when the car is, for all intents and purposes, perfectly fine, it's just some part of the brain isn't talking to the other part of the brain or one of the modules in the network is, you know, slightly out of sync with each other. Um, you know, you can imagine what it was like. Um, you know, this is, this is, it is from issues like this, which has led to, um, you know, results like the Alpine, um, you know, uh, hypercar winning a race outright purely from uh, mechanical faults or electronic faults from the Toyotas. You're on, You're mute, on mute again, again Brett. Brett. <laughs> yeah, this is... We've, we, we, hang on, we've been trying to shut you up for decades <laughs> and, and twice in one night, the first person to shut you up is yourself. Twice. Hey, hey, just... Got- just, just remember, uh, Carlton was in within four points at one stage, and now they're just going back out. So I'm distracted. Sorry, guys. Okay, so so Doc is distracted. Yeah, just remember, everyone, I, I have the power over all of you. So, <laughs> the, yes, I've got the stream deck down here, and the stream deck is one of the things about one of the complaints is sometimes the buttons don't work. So uh, we've got there's Paul saying motorsports a disease with no cure. Once caught, you can't stop. That's very unfortunately that's that's true for a lot of us, I think, and. Uh, for some of us, it would be better for, for us to get out of it, but uh, we don't, and we will be there for however long it takes. Yeah, Paul, was Paul, was, uh, Paul was reflecting in the comments. I just uh, That's a reply to one of my comments. Uh, if he does the event through till 2035, uh, he will have attended 49 Australian Grands Prix, uh, with the exception of the first one in 1985. Uh, and, of course, we didn't have one in 2021. Um, you know, So by 2035, we will have had... Uh, 50 Australian Grands Prix. Yeah, well, there you go. And that's just in Melbourne. You know, like, yeah, that's, that's... FIA Formula One. FIA uh, Formula One. Australian Grands Prix. This is this is very this is very true, but uh, it's going to be interesting. Very much a transitional years here. I was interested. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, of course, ran at the event. I was interested in uh, in, in Shane's comments in uh, with to Speed Cafe. Uh, I was surprised in a way. I mean, he was he was really stunned at just how big the event was. I mean, he was he said he was really surprised, which uh, which surprised me. I mean, because he's had enough you know international experience to. Uh, to sort of understand, but yeah, I think that yeah, once you do go to Le Mans and you do see it, uh, you know, I, I I got in trouble. I've met, told this story before on sort of SEN radio when somebody dared to say, you know, oh, it's a bit like sort of the French version of Bathurst, is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, no. after forty-eight hours no. of no sleep, no, none, no. yeah, um, you, you don't real. The scope of it is so much bigger, so much grand. I mean, even compared with the Grand Prix, we know how big the Grand Prix is, but you know, it's Le Mans is several sections above it's in terms of the professionalism. In terms for a week, 
for for yeah, and it is. If, if you're going over for particularly for the 100th anniversary, but uh, at any stage, if you're going over and you think you're only going to uh, going to go once, and you won't go once, because I always thought, well, this is it. This is I'll you know, I'll go once and I can tick it off the bucket list and I'll never go again. No, um, I, I went back a number of times. If I've got if I've got any chance at all before I shuffle off this mortal coil of getting back, I'll, I will be going. Um, but yeah, go for the week. Go, you know, go there. See, uh, go to the test day because they run the test day on the Sunday before the race now, which they didn't use. It used to be two weeks out, but now you can go to the test day, get your tickets. Your tickets for the for the race get you into the test day as well. You can see the test day, then you go into uh, on Monday and Tuesday. You can go into the town and watch. They have scrutineering in the middle of the town, and they'll get. You know, forty, fifty thousand watching, literally watching scrutineering. It's they've got stages and they tell you what they're doing. It's uh, out the front of the uh, at the Place de Republic, out the front of the cathedral there. That's there, and then you basically you hit the track on Wednesday, and from Wednesday through until the end of the race, it's just it is non-stop action. It's an amazing event, just uh, just terrific. So on the on the note of Shane Van Gisbergen, this of course was his first ever time in a GTE car. Uh, he was lined up to do uh, the event in an LMP2 car a couple of years ago before, obviously, COVID uh, put put pay to that. Um, there was a stage where, you know, the, the front-running cars in GTE Pro were just dropping like flies. Uh, you know, one Corvette out with mechanical damage, with mechanical failure, and an, the other leading Corvette basically being taken out by an errant, you know, side-to-side contact from the LMP2 car. Um, there was, you know, the the blow, massive blowout and bodywork failure for one of the leading uh, Porsche GT ten cars, um, and then in all of this, you know, the was it the the B Honey Bee storage, you know, Riley Motorsport, yeah, the Riley Motorsport, you know, Ferrari just just sitting there, you know, like a drum, just banging away. But it just goes to show the difference in in level between having a privateer run professional car and a factory run professional car. Um, and I think that probably speaks a little bit to the um, the you could look at the difference in performance across those you know the five cars that finished and look at and go okay that's the reason why you know the ACO is wanting to to move away from factory teams is that you know for the whole spectacle they want it to be better I I am gutted that that Corvette um, recorded a double DNF in their final year as an all pro outfit um, you know the the legacy of that. That brand and that that team, that group of people in the event is staggering, um, you know. But then, you know, to look at the you know the LMP2 field, like it, it was a constant battle at the front. You know, multiple cars on the lead lap, within sight of each other. You know, and kudos to Robert Kubica in the um, in the Orland car. You know, he was he was keeping them on their toes. But LMP2 was almost over for several cars at the first corner. <laughs> Yeah, is that, so what, they talk about the red mist descending. I mean, like, yeah, guys, it's a twenty-four hour race. You've got you don't have to lead on the first corner. Yeah, no, no, we'll we'll keep out of trouble. So, you know, flag goes. Yeah, you know, no, I'm coming. Yeah, they're straight through and cars going everywhere. It was uh, it's it's crazy, but. Uh, you'd have to think. Surely you'd have to think with all of the new uh, the new LMP 
all the new hypercars and the uh, the, the GTP uh, LMDH cars that are coming through, you would have to think that one of those factories would be putting up their hand at some stage to Robert Kubica and saying, do you want to drive? Because he was, uh, in those early stages, he was flying. Yeah. Well, a number of, um, a number of organisations are using, um, you know, the LMP2 um category as you know a reference point for what prototype racing in 2023 is going to be like you know we've seen that um you know ferrari is moving it's uh is is going with i believe it's oraker is helping them to build their um their new gt3 cars going forward going moving away from michelotto um and then we saw af corsa um who of course a long time ferrari customer team turned up running an oraker chassis and lmp2 uh, we've, of course, seen um, uh, the Penske Corporation, who, of course, will be running a, a multi-matic chassis uh, Porsche, Hyper, uh, Porsche LMDH or Porsche GTPP next year. Uh, they were running an Oreca chassis. Uh, indeed, I think it might even be the same Oreca chassis that they used to learn what prototype racing was like under ACO rules, again, before they debuted the Oreca chassis Acura in the United States in, um, in DPI. Um, so it's always interesting to see who's learning, you know, a new type of racing in the customer racing or the spec class before the factories turn up. And if we cast their minds back 12 months ago, it was the WRT um, team out of, uh, out of Belgium who's renowned for being a, you know, an Audi sports car in GT3 level racing um, professional outfit, you know, they turned up and were in position to win, you know, first and second in 2021 until that last lap um, electronic failure. Yeah, I mean, and very un- very disappointing for them. I mean, they came across two uh, two LMP2 racing, to, and it was just basically assumed that they were going to walk in and uh, and get that Audi uh, that Audi prototype uh, uh, team, which is uh, now evaporated. Right? Yeah, it's gone now. It's uh, that's it. It's out of the it's out of the window. Uh, it's out of the window now. I'm still worried a bit about Alpine. Um, they, they're going back to LMP2 themselves next year. It, they're it going makes to. Sense, uh, I'm, I'm, it's interesting, but I mean, I was surprised, like for the 100th anniversary, that they didn't move heaven and earth to have a car there. Now, of course, coming up at the next round uh, at Monza, we will see the debut of the uh, of the Peugeot. When Peugeot were in force at Le Mans, they had uh, they were in the they were in the uh, the, the museum there with a. a display of a lot of their older cars uh so and they're ready to go and you, you can tell that they're very they are very serious they will be there and they're so, very french they're very french yes and i imagine that will uh when it comes into the balance of performance i imagine that will uh that will go down very well with the with the aco but at the, at the same time uh, you'll have next year probably two Toyotas. They did say that you know, at some stage three might even be a possibility, but you'll have two Toyotas, you'll have a couple of Peugeots, hopefully a couple of Glickenhaus, uh, at, at, at least two Porsches. Uh, Penske have said they're, they're not going to bring, for the first year at least, they're not going to bring their IMSA Porsches to Le Mans. They will just run their World Endurance Championship cars, but still that's another two two Porsches running as well. Um, and we should have Ferrari as Ferrari as well. So uh, that's uh, five manufacturers running around uh, with one or two cars. So we're going to go from five 
top-level cars through to, you know, possibly as many as a dozen for next year as well. And then the year after, you add Alpine to that and possibly BMW and possibly Acura Honda as well. Lamborghini. Boys. Cadillac. Oh, that's right. Well, Cadillac will and be of there. The Cadillac car. The Cadillac car was unveiled, unveiled during the week, and doesn't that look like a magnificent piece of equipment? That looks. Uh, it's, that, that looks very. It's interesting that uh, uh, there's a lot of visual sty- stylings there that remind me a lot of the Ford GT. Um, uh, I think that there's uh, some some hangover from there. I think that if they'd have, uh, if Ford had have made the GT version of the. Uh, uh, the the LMP uh, version of the uh, of the Ford GT, I think that it would have looked uh, at least from the from the sides and at the top, it would have looked very similar to that uh, to that car that we saw from Cadillac. But it's a great looking great looking car, and as John John Hindoff kept saying, in terms of like you know, within the rules that they've got for the LMDH category, what what will a stylus at uh, at Lamborghini do? What what could that thing look like? I got doors that go like this. Yes. <laughs> um, Paul is uh, Paul is asking the question. Chris, what is the uh, what's what, what's your background photo? Uh, it's the nineteen fifty six Albert Park Grand Prix. I thought it was Albert Park. Yes. Yeah. With now, us. now would would my grandfather be in that shot somewhere? He Possibly, would be. Yeah. I am. I am pretty sure he probably would be. Yes. Uh... He would be driving a Maserati. Maserati? Yep, yeah. 300S. Get out of the way, Chris. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. There certainly, um, Sterling Moss was should have been there as well. But yeah, I mean, Bib would have uh, Bib would have been there as as, as well, no what doubt. You could, what so, you uh, do, Chris, is you've got the shot. What you could do is you can send it on to our um our, our page and uh, so we can look. Yeah. Okay. Blow up himself. There you go. So, it, it was it was almost a Maserati spec race that year. Sterling Moss Maserati 250F, Jean Berard 250. Maserati 250F, Peter Whitehead Ferrari Triple Five, Reg Hunt Maserati 250, Stan Jones Maserati 250, 250. Reg Parnell Ferrari Triple Five, Lex Davison Ferrari 625, Doug Whiteford <laughs> Talbot, Len Lukey of Lukey Mufflers, Lukey Mufflers Cooper T23. And the DNFs, uh, no, I don't, no, I think my grandfather might have been 1955. 55, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought he was, I thought he would have been there, but, uh, but anyway, that's uh, there. But yeah, certainly he certainly made up for it afterwards. He was in plenty of Australian Grand Prix afterwards and plenty of races and plenty of gold stars, of course, which he, uh, which he won a few. <laughs> Speaking of gold stars, Hidden Valley this weekend as well, too? Yeah, let's get on to that. going to be a huge weekend up at uh, Hidden Valley. Now, the good news once again is I mentioned last week that uh, there was a lot of uh, the, the, the Winter Nationals were a part of KO's freebies. Uh, this week and uh, the triple threat up at, uh, up at uh, Hidden Valley is also a part of KO's freebies as well. So if you don't have a subscription to KO, you can still watch uh, everything up until the Sunday. So that will include uh, all of the supercar stuff on Friday, Saturday, and then the drag racing as well. And the drag racing, the top fuel, will also be seen live on 7 Plus as well on uh, on Friday and Saturday night. So, yeah, you get... Uh, so once again... A huge amount of a huge amount of motorsport happening this weekend. And, um, it's going to be the supercars are going to be free to air on Channel Seven. Yeah. So this, yeah. Seven. Okay. 
Yeah, so you'll be able to so you'll be able to watch which, it and it is channel, in because I usually put the horse racing on seven, so it'll be on mate or It'll be on one of the channels of seven then. Yes, it'll be yes. It'll be a seven. Whichever whichever one is out there, you look around and you will you will find little TV guides. Check check your local guides for details. Um, Yes, also as Paul's pointing out, the super bikes are on uh, are up there as well, and of course it's uh, Indigenous round as well. And by Jesus, some good looking good looking liveries, some really interesting liveries. Uh, Chris Pithers, you might say, very very deadly and. uh, a lot of them, the, uh, the Chris Pisser's car, um, there's a football connection there. I mean, Doc watching the football because uh, that's, uh, that's been done by a young Rioli. Um, so, uh, yeah, so she has uh, done the, the livery for the Cocaine. It looks really, really good. Uh, most, of them look, most of them look pretty good, but the Cocaine, I think, looks, fa- looks fantastic. Uh, so that'll be... And you can imagine the model makers, you know, that will be rubbing their hands together with glee because it'll be a bit like the... It'll be a bit like the crocodile car at the uh, Race of a Thousand Years, the Adelaide Le Mans, the American Le Mans round in Adelaide all those years ago. The, the crocodile car... For uh, for Audi is uh, is a real collector's item now, and I I I am now kicking myself the fact that when we were at uh, when we were in France for Le Mans at that time, we went to a local supermarket and they were at an Auchan and they were they were on they were on sale there for about twenty five euro, and we just didn't have twenty five euro at the time. We thought we'll get one in the we will get one, we'll definitely get one, and a couple of years later they were asking three or four hundred pound dollars for them, so. A question, Chris. I think that photo, if it's not of the Grand Prix, it might be of the Australian the support, tourist, tourist the Australian trophy. tourist trophy race, yeah. which I think I'm reading here might have been a week or two beforehand. And in that, my grandfather would have been driving a D-type. Right. Okay. Yeah, because they're all sports. They're all sports cars there. So yeah, so it would be the TT. Yeah. So, uh, but either way, it's part of the, the, the very long history of uh, of racing at Albert Park. It's not it's not a truly modern thing. I remember going if, if you remember, and uh, I don't know if Dave, if you were you were old enough, but uh, mid mid nineties, the revival. Yeah, the revival, which um, you're which uh, they they went the correct way around. They went they clockwise, and they had the vintage correct barriers delineating the uh, demonstrations for the public hay bales. <laughs> yes, and they also um, and and if you and you would remember that um, your grandfather drove a Formula Five thousand. Yeah, I guess this was uh, either just before or just after his uh, big accident in at the Geelong Speed Trials. Um, that's right. Yeah, Brabham BT thirty one A. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he was in a Lola T three thirty two. I think it was mm. at, uh, running a green and gold in the traditional green and gold. Gold colours, so uh, yeah. So that was and that was that was really the I suppose in a way the the start of the the start of the process to get to get racing back at uh, back at back at Albert Park. So uh, it it certainly turned into something uh, something really good. Okay, um, a bit of MotoGP news uh, happening, Doc. What's uh, what's going? On? First of all, how did your blue baggers go? Is it all over? Is the yeah, suffering right. finished? Yeah, I, I can I can feel a blackout coming. I'm losing power here, guys. No, I haven't actually haven't caught up with the MotoGP strands enough. I've had a crazy week. Um, I've had a fair bit on this week with work and other things and. I got Dennis knocked me out yesterday with a couple of fillings and that sort of stuff. So I've had a bit of a rough week this week. So it's um, so I haven't been across at all at the moment. But um, 
yeah, it's um, there's always something happening. But I noticed down the bottom there that you actually said, uh, "What's it? Uh, Rins has got a um, has got a, uh, a bench wrist at the moment." Yeah, broken broken wrist says he's going to ride on. Uh, Alex Rins is saying he's going to ride on regardless, but uh, he'll sort that out uh, when when they race. They're racing this week at the uh, I think it's the Nurburgring, isn't it for the uh, for the German Moto GP? And oh, he says that he is going to he's going to race. Um, Jack Miller hoping to recover as as he said in the bottom by his own by his own description he said he had a shit house race in the uh, in the last round and he, uh, he he's hoping to uh, to do better at uh, at uh, this weekend's German Grand Prix so that will be on once again if on KO uh, it's interesting I mean you can get a whole bunch of stuff for free on KO it's amazing what's how much stuff is there because you will get all the practice sessions and uh, and qualifying for the MotoGP you just don't get the race without paying for it but if you if you're happy to just sort of you know catch up later but you want to watch some uh, want to watch some Moto GP over the course of the weekend. That was that is available free of charge on Ko as well. If you don't want to pay the shell out the twenty five dollars, and I'm not doing that until the uh, until the test series against Sri Lanka starts. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we've got there. Jack McWigan pointing out. Um, yeah, that, that his uh, father was there as well, and uh, the late Ian Cook. Uh, yes, Ian, uh, of course, lost his life at uh, Sandown many, many years ago. So, um, so yeah, some uh, some famous uh, some famous names some famous names there running around at uh, at, at Albert Park in the nineteen in the nineteen fifties and. Uh, Running around, I know that Sterling Moss. When we spoke to Sterling Moss years ago, he had he had very very good memories of uh, of Albert Park in those days. Um, there you go. Yeah, um, Paul saying the day two. He's got a day two uh, Melbourne. Uh, 1958 Melbourne Grand Prix program in which Bib was entered to run the Maserati 250F. So uh, so that was uh, 50. That was 58. So a couple, a couple of years, years after. Later. Yeah, a couple of years later, after the uh, Olymp, what they call the Olympic Grand Prix in '56, of course. Anyway, I think that's uh, that just about does us, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I think that's uh, that's that's us for this week. Now we will probably uh, we'll probably you know, pop up next next week at some stage very soon. We're going to have to have a uh, we're going to have to have a Thursday night or something off because we're going to have to have the in pit lane rap party at some stage. So um, yes, as as Box is pointing out, the uh, the Grand Canadian Grand Prix four o'clock on four a.m. Oh, can, can on we, Monday. Can we can we have another can we have another public holiday on Monday so I can stay up and watch some motor racing? It was very handy. I mean, it was very lovely of the of Her Majesty to have a have a fake birthday on the well, uh, the weekend worked, after Le Mans. Some of us work Sunday. Some of us work Monday. Maybe she likes to watch Tuesday. the motor yeah, racing some, too. Some I'm sure she does. So we went, we only got a few hours of Le Mans just in the afternoons before we. Yeah, some of us have got to keep this world ticking over and feed the masses. <laughs> feed them well, you know, and, and we appreciate it. We really do. Okay, everyone, thanks for joining us. We'll see you uh, next week on Full Course Yellow. Stay uh, if you haven't done so yet. Go to the Impit Lane YouTube channel. Please like and subscribe. Really important. The algorithms. The more people who click like, the more people who subscribe. The more that uh, YouTube promote your uh, your 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 category and promote your uh, your channel. So we really do appreciate it if you would uh, do that. If you're not following us on Facebook, go over there and do that as well. We'll have all the updates uh, coming up. Hoping to uh, hoping to get out at some stage despite the fact I was so looking forward to a break and I've been so but I must admit sort of you know on Monday morning I really did get up in the morning and go straight to the keyboard and go I've got to start writing the news for 
Oh, no, I don't. And by about <laughs> four o'clock that afternoon, I was going, God, the day's dragged on. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, um, obviously we've got uh, electricity problems here across the state, if not the uh, whole country. Um, is, is, is Getsy's battery gone flat too because you haven't been out either? <laughs> no, I haven't. Well, this is the thing. I haven't really had a, had a need to go. Well, I, no, I have been out. I've been to a lot of uh, been to a lot of doctors and a lot of that. I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm staying indoors. The less, the, the less every time I go out now, somebody sticks something into me or drags something out of me or whatever. So, um, and normally that would be a good thing, but not at the moment. <laughs> okay, we'll see you. I uh, will see you next week from the. Uh, if I live that long, we'll see you next week on Full Course Yellow. And remember, in pit lane. We'll return to Channel 31 coming up uh, starting at the end of August, early September. We're back in the studio on August the 30th, I believe. Studio's been booked and we're ready to go. So hopefully uh, sometime uh, within that week or the week after, we'll be back on air on Channel 31 right across Melbourne and Geelong. OK, thanks, everybody. We'll see you uh, next week. Until then, from all of us, bye for now. Bye. Have a great weekend.